Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Game's premier podcasting duo. My name is JW Crewell, and you're hearing my voice first because Riley is not here this week. But so. in his stead, I am joined by my good friend and fellow testing partner, Jesse Parker, local hero in the Akron area. Welcome on the cast, Jesse. Hello, JW. Yes, thank you for having me on the cast today. Uh, I was pretty excited when you asked me to come on the Tag Team podcast. I uh, definitely am a frequent listener, so uh, excited to be on here and, you know, just talk about some Pokemon. Yeah, yeah well, it was, I mean, I, I think it was is a great opportunity to have you on because last week I kind of teased, oh yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about this Pikachu, flying Pikachu VMAX deck that we played that had a splash of Mew and Genesect yeah. as well. I, I would I would say it's a predominantly sure. predominantly a flying Pikachu deck. Definitely. But I, I think that would be you know something interesting that I think a lot of listeners are curious about. And so we can talk a little bit more about the matchups and your tournament run, maybe a little Anders tournament run, and maybe not so much my tournament run, but uh, <laughs> a little bit more about the deck. So before we get into that, and before we get into some thoughts about the upcoming metagame from based on what we saw from you know, the tournament a couple of weeks ago. Let's first talk a little bit about Jesse and your background in the game. You, I feel like you're kind of the, you know, you're, you're the everyman. You know, I don't want to say you're the, you're that common man. Cause I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't call you common, but I, I feel like you represent, um, you know, like an above average player, a very good player and who's still maybe looking for the breakout. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, I would consider myself. I, I don't know if I put myself in the uh, necessarily the you know the Azul, the Tor, the the top player like Isaiah Bradner. I don't. I wouldn't put myself quite in that spot. But I think I'm like right a tier below them. You know, I'm I've definitely taken some games off to players like that. Um, my regional results are definitely not uh, the best and most consistent. But uh, I am looking for that. Uh, breakout performance my goal this season was a top is it is a top eight and there is a good slew of regionals coming up but right now we're starting to get into those like east coast regionals they're all in driving distance you know i'm from the cleveland ohio area cleveland slash akron ohio area so a lot of the regionals nearby like charlotte and um fort wayne are coming up so looking for that breakout performance i do fairly consistently get into the points bracket of regionals and and then into like day twos maybe like every other regional on average but um definitely not getting it like my best regional performance is top 32 so even a top 16 would be cool but i'm, I'm really gunning for that top eight and you know obviously winning the regional would be great too but um yeah that's kind of where i'm at right now i've generated a lot of i have like every year i've played competitively i've got my world's invite so that's mm. something there um, but I, a lot of those points have been from locals and right. league cups and challenges. Yeah. And now that there aren't locals, I'm really, uh, you know, fighting for every last point I can get. I mean, I'm at 140 right now, so I'm about at the minimum, the bare minimum that you'd want to be at this point in the season. So right. I still have two regional finishes left. Got NAIC. I'm not going to EUIC as much as I would like to, but. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now as a okay. player, just trying to get that breakout performance. And how many more tournaments are you going to? You mentioned that you're going yeah. to Charlotte, Fort Wayne. Yeah, I'm going NAIC. to Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte, Fort Wayne. Um, 
I believe there's one in May. Uh, is that Wisconsin? Or is yeah, that Wisconsin, um, I believe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, there's yeah, Wisconsin. And there's one other I'm not thinking Fresno. Of. Not Fresno. No, no, not, not. <laughs> that's driving distance, right? It's funny how, you know, it's like the Midwestern thing, right? Where we're just like, oh yeah, that's, that's a driving distance tournament. Charlotte, eight and a half hours away. <laughs> Hartford. So, that's the one I'm forgetting. Hartford. Ah, Hartford. Yes. Yeah, Hartford. That's yes. in May. And then we got Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the beginning of June and then NAIC. So about four more regionals. I have two more finishes and a lot of my finishes have just been like 30, 40 pointers. So I could, yeah. you know, yeah. even if I get my fifth, sixth finish, I could best, you know, improve one of those bad finishes. Um, and then NAIC, it's probably going to end up coming down like for a lot of people to NAIC. So, yep. <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you yeah. on that one for sure. I mean, I'm sitting in a similar boat. I'm not going to be going to as many uh, tournaments here on the later half of the season as you, but uh, certainly in that same kind of, yeah, I'm mapping it out. Okay. I need probably like, you know, a top eight at a regional and then a solid finish at NAIC with, uh, you know, in the points, but it's really crazy how much these international championships give, but that's a it whole, really is. it's disgusting. That's but, a whole uh, yeah. nother topic sure. for another podcast. So Jesse, let's talk a little bit about your, um, your competitive playing history. You said that you got world's invites, you know, every year that you have tried for them. And then yes. I think a lot of people know you from playing a lot with Andrew on the tricky gym channel. Yes. Uh, yes, indeed. I do frequent the Tricky Gym channel about, I would say, on average, like every other week, um, Andrew tries to have me on for some cool tabletop gameplay action. Uh, right now, we've been really getting into the post rotation. And uh, I really enjoy going on the stream and, you know, getting to play in front of lots of people and just play games with Andrew in front of, a, you know, an audience. It's, it's a lot of fun, honestly. I, I have a yeah. lot of fun doing it. And I appreciate him always having me on. What's what's the coolest thing about his office? Hmm, man, he's always got like he's got just like shelves of all kinds of crazy stuff, and probably honestly, the half pipe is pretty sick. <laughs> I mean, I would try to you know uh, skate on there, but I would end up just falling off and hurting myself. But I don't know. I mean, it's just really, it's just I just like the way everything's set up. You know, he's he's mm -hmm. got he's got he's got to figure it out for sure. He's is it's cool seeing his like content like evolve throughout like the last like three, four years. It's just been getting better and better and like higher quality. And uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything in particular, but um, every time I go there, there's always something new he's cooking up or new he's trying to implement. Like I remember when he started doing the foot pedal, mm. the foot pedals to change the camera. And he's got like a foot pedal thing that he can, so he can be playing cards and switch the camera angles, you know, while he's playing cards, which I, I think that's pretty cool. It shows like, how dedicated he is, you know, getting the highest quality tabletop content. And I that's right. That's you got to be using all your limbs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, God gave you four limbs, so <laughs> might as well use them. Amen, brother. So you mentioned that, you know, locals are no longer a thing. I, I feel like I Bad. know you from just being the local God. You have a little bit of a reputation here in Ohio for, sweeping up those local points like nobody's business yeah uh i'm definitely a local fiend that's for sure uh like for example um before covid so this is the 2019 season uh the i got my invite for worlds which was 500 points i got my invite in the first quarter of that season Ooh, flex. And that was largely due 
to league cups because I had yeah. six I had six league cups in a row where it was like first, 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 first. It was during like the unified minds format. So tag mm. teams were at an all time high. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but um, yeah, that season I had a seven. I believe seven out of eight because you could have eight league cup finishes. Seven out of eight were first and then the eighth one was second. My so God. I was just like farming those cups. Yeah, that 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 was a lot of fun. And Ohio <laughs> cups are not really that easy. Like I think a lot of people would consider Ohio to be like at the very least in like the top five like yeah. artist states to play Pokemon, just because p- tons of people show up. Like I went to an Ohio State Cup, like uh, in a cup that was at Ohio State University with it yeah. was over a hundred players. Yeah, and uh, of course I won that one, um, you know, as I do. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Kevin Baxter, I played Kevin Baxter in the finals. Another good friend of ours um that was a fun cup but yeah so uh, definitely hurting with the with the cups not being here but those are definitely my wheelhouse i definitely am a big fan of cups because they feel like like a sprint whereas marathons are kind of like uh or whereas regionals are kind of like a marathon so i'm a lot i'm I'm trying to get better at the marathon aspect i it's pretty easy for me to tilt when i'm playing as well that's that's actually one thing i wanted to ask you about jesse because i do know kind of you know as we've been going to these tournaments more and more frequently together about the tilt factor for you Mm -hmm. and you know that being a bit even you know even in testing and stuff like you kind of see it like it just it's very clear you're passionate about gaming and uh performing well and things like that so do you have any advice for overcoming tilt? Cause I know that that's something that I've talked to a lot of people about where it's just, they feel like they're having a good day and then something happens. That's maybe in their control, maybe out of their control. It sets them on tilt and then they end up compounding that into more losses. Yeah. It's a lot about, I mean, I used to play a lot of competitive league of legends back in the day uh, when that game was pretty new. Um, and I've definitely same thing there. It's it's kind of a you have to balance. I've been doing a lot better with it recently. Taking a loss and just kind of like thinking about it, forgetting about it, going to the next game. Take it one game at a time. That's where you got to do. You got to take it one game at a time. You can't look and be like, "Oh, I'm two and two. I got to win like ten more in a row to possibly get top eight. Like you can't really think about it that way because that can be a little like mentally straining. You just got to take it one day or one game at a time. Um, and something that helps you with it is like you have to care just enough, but not like at all, not at all, if that makes sense. Because like <laughs> if you don't care at all, then yeah. sure, you won't get tilted, but you won't be playing your best. So you have sure. to obviously care. But if you care too much, one loss or one thing that doesn't go your way can really like weigh on you. So it's about like finding that balance. And that's yeah. what I've been trying to do, at least at regionals, whereas cups um, are a lot quicker. You know, you take two losses, you're done. You know, you right. Home. Right. Um you know, drive an hour, two hours home, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas regionals, you can't really do that. You got to, you know, refocus, go take, get a snack, go to the bathroom, get right back to it. So um, that's what I've been trying to work on personally is caring on just enough where I don't get tilted. So that's kind of, I guess, my advice, if, if it is even advice. Now, you're a player who, again, looking to step their game up just to that that next level um, as a player that is looking to do that, and you're surrounded by, I would say, good partners, good friends, good, I don't know, I don't know what to say, like Pokemon mentors, I guess, right? Good players, if you could yeah, say that. regional players, champions. Right? As, uh, so, the two times sitting right about, sitting right about. There you go. So <laughs> what do you take from from these players that you uh frequently play test with that you know you could you could tell our listeners about or what is something that you're working on right now that you think is going to get you to the next level 
Hmm. Like, is there a flaw? Do you feel like there's a flaw in your game right now that you're trying to get better at? Yeah, I guess just like recognizing like things I'm doing wrong. Like lots of times when I'm testing with, you know, my group, which is like you and, you know, a couple other people in our group, uh, I'm looking at like, when I make a play that I'm not too sure about, I'm like, does does this seem correct to you based on my hand? Like, does this seem correct? Because like in my head, I would like if I was just playing on ladder, I would think, oh, yeah, this has got to be correct. But when I'm uh, deciding whether I need to research here or Marnie here or if it's worth playing this Luminian for a boss or rather just knocking out the active, just like little things like that. Um, I like to and I like to watch to watch people play, too. That's a big learning mm-hmm. thing for me. That was a big learning thing for me that helped me get a lot better at League of Legends was watching people play and even just in testing when like we're sharing screens like watching the decisions you make or watching the decisions like Riley makes when he plays or you or Andrew uh just the in the way you come to those conclusions I think helps helps me a lot and there's lots of little things but honestly just surrounding yourself with good players is just naturally going to help you and when I make a play that doesn't seem correct you're not afraid to call me out on it be like why why would you do that there or blah 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 Sure. And I think that that definitely helps a lot for sure. Sure. Totally. Well, that's enough about you specifically, Jesse. Let's move on to the deck. I mean, this was a deck, the Mew VMAX deck with the flying Pikachu that you, me, and Andrew brought to the most recent regional that we all attended and had overall a really solid run. You finished in the top 64. Andrew finished in the top 16. I got points. Um, but overall, on the whole, it was nice to see our group come away with not, again, yet again, not another top eight or deep tournament run, but yeah. uh, just solid overall performances with a homebrew. Sure. So yeah. so let's talk a little bit about that Mew Pikachu deck. Give us a little rundown on your tournament, maybe some highs, maybe some lows, and then we can get into some matchups. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the if you haven't heard yet, the, the conclusion we came to when deciding on this deck was our group really enjoys the Mew deck. Uh, we think the best thing about it is that you have a pretty, I think, a slightly favorable, at least slightly favorable Lugia matchup, um, if they're not playing Drapion, which many people don't. Um, and I think that's what we really liked about the deck. It just, it, it's, I think you could say it is the most like consistent deck in format in general. It just draws the most amount of cards. It's a really strong deck. It preys on decks weaknesses. And we really like that about the deck. Um, it is a very volatile format for the deck though, um, because there's Drapion, there's Skyseal Stone. The deck just on paper has a lot of really like not great matchups, all the single prize decks. And uh, Andrew came up with the idea. Andrew Mahone was like, why don't we put like a one, one flying Pika in the deck? You just need a double turbo, uh, a color, you know, a lightning energy, a speed lightning energy, and boom, you got yourself like a, a solid attacker against those single prize decks. And in testing, it seemed like it was working pretty good. It's not like a it doesn't automatically make you like auto win against Reggie's. It doesn't make you auto win against Lost Box, obviously, but it gives you that little like in combination with judges and Lost Cities. You're kind of just like throwing a bunch at them. Um, and yeah, that's kind of why we came to the conclusion of the deck. But the tournament for me, um, and honestly, I think for Andrew kind of it started off a little rough. Um, I beat some, you know, I beat my for round one was against Darkrai, really easy win there. Um, 
And then I played against a lost box deck and I ended up tying against mm. that one, which didn't make me feel good because that when I played up against lost box, it, it was a lot like a Zool's list with like the sky seal stone, the Snorlax, uh, the yep. Drake, or the, there was a Raikou V in there, which with Azul did not play. And that was a card. I think we were all scared of running into because Raikou um, can hit, can easily one shot flying Pikachu. If they combine it with an escape rope and a boss, right? Cause flying Pikachu is weak to lightning. Um, so, and that's what happened. I, I lost my first game due to an escape rope boss with a Raikou V with a Sky Stone attached to it. So Oof. you can take four prizes on a flying Pikachu oh if they can gosh. put that all together. So that did not feel good. And then game two, luckily I was able to uh, get the flying Pikachu out quick, was just judging nonstop and he drew pretty bad. So I w won that game just barely and we ended up tying. So not horrible. At least I was able to bring it to a tie. Um, and then I played against an Arcdura one there. And then one of the next loss where I thought my tournament was really just going to be like a... <laughs> a two three drop or whatever was against yeah. reggie's and i was yeah. like okay reggie's another matchup where the flying pika you know can show its worth um right. and game one boom like got the flying pika out lost cities thrown at him left and right i i i it was really easy quick win yeah then game two and three it was uh my speed lightning was prized one of the games i was just drawing horribly in game two and then game three, I just opened like a completely dead hand. So I ended yeah. up losing to that Reggie player. And that made me feel really bad. I was like at the time. So I was 2-2. Two, two, let's see, 2-2-1. Two, two, two and one. So yeah, not feeling very good there. Um, and then, uh, no, actually that was my first loss. So I was 2-1-1. One, and one. And then um, I ended up round five. And then I took another loss to Lugia. Rough. And that was the first Lugia I played against. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good matchup. I'm really yeah. excited about this one. Yeah. Um, it was a really close series path just wasn't sticking, but I was still able to win one of the three games and I ended up just barely losing that one. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm really bad. Now I'm like two, two and one <laughs> You're down bad. Takes a loss. Yep. He's three, one and one. So he's still doing okay. Yep. I'm like, Oh no. And then you're not doing too hot either. But, and then we get, end up going on a tear. Thankfully I do a swift two O against another Lugia really easy series and then i play against reggie's again and i'm like okay i can get my redemption on reggie's yeah, that's quick right. one that was the fastest round of the of the day it was it was just a quick win-win yeah and uh that felt really good i was able to just get the flying peak out really quickly he kind of stumbled in his setup yeah um yeah. got the lost city out he couldn't remove it really good um and then i end up playing against a lost box so i'm like okay good it's flying peak is getting some use now and this was a build with uh the raikou that snipes amazing raikou and then the zamazenta um and this one was pretty um this was another one where i was pretty happy about how i played uh i ended up winning the first game pretty quickly game two i lose a really close one and then game three it comes to the point where i'm like uh okay uh i need to play really quickly so it was one of those games where i got flying pika set up and I could have played cards in my hand, but to try to win quickly, I was just like announcing my attack as soon as it coming to my turn. Like he didn't have a way to deal with this flying Pikachu. So I ended up squeaking out that win. So I felt really good there. And then my winning in round. So I'm five, three and one or five, two and one. I'm at my winning in and I play against Lugia and I'm like, okay, cool. Lugia, this is going to be a layup in a day two. And then Andrew also got on stream, uh, placing a mm -hmm. Lugia and we both ended up, uh, two owing our Lugia's opponents. So that felt really, really good. Yeah, wow. it's it's pretty amazing because I feel like they're for whatever reason, like the the Mew versus Lugia matchup isn't 
that talked about because I completely yeah. agree with you in saying that Mew has a very like uh, Lugia is a matchup that I am looking forward to facing. And that's regarding, not even regarding the flying Pikachu, which you don't even go for in that matchup. You're no, just trying you to cut them off. You're trying to cut them off before they can even get started with a nice judge path early, leave them with very few options to get out of that. And if they ever stumble in their setup, you know, even a simple judge can really mess with them. Yeah, it really comes down like if the Lukia player is able to get two Archeops in a discard pile on the first turn, the game obviously can get a little can get a lot rougher because then all they need is a way to remove the path and then get a V Star. And then they're mm -hmm. cruising at that point. So if they even if they only just get one Archeops in a discard pile, that's like something where it's going to be really hard for them to pull off their V-Star power after a judge path, let yeah. alone get another Archeops in a discard pile. So they really have to draw like the flames off your judge path. And it's not, it doesn't work every time, but it, it works enough to where you're winning. I'm winning against most of Lugia's I play against. Um, yeah, so yeah, the getting that win against Lugia really made me feel a lot better, especially to losing to one earlier in the day. So now I'm two, one against Lugia. Um, so then we go into day two, and I'm feeling decent. I feel like I know what to do against like every matchup for the most part. I just gotta like, execute, uh, execute the plan. You know, draw decently well. I think I can, you know, have a shot to, for this to be my run. So my first game into day two, I play against Gudra, and I'm like, okay, finally Gudra. Like this is gonna be this is a good matchup for me. It just is. Like it's really mm -hmm. really strong matchup. Yeah. Uh, game one, I just open like Genesect Mew. I just like don't have anything so i just like pass and then the next turn i ac end up setting up but it's just too slow he he ends up by the time i start attacking he's got two gudras fully evolved one with mm -hmm. energy on it mm -hmm. the game gets really hard at that point so i see kind of see the writing on the wall and just scoop and then uh game two i win pretty quickly and then game three just an absolutely dead opening hand just like nothing i can't play any cards yeah. there's like two boss a path you know two mu v maxes it's like okay right it's just i feel goes. really bad yep. yeah i'm like okay this is a matchup i should be winning so and that dead hand really did me in um thankfully though that was the last dead hand of day two um because round 11 I went against an Arceus Flying Pikachu. Most Arceus decks are pretty free from you, honestly. You just are too fast and aggressive for those decks to handle. You can mm -hmm. just go two prizes, two prizes, two prizes really quickly. So I went against an Arceus Flying Pikachu deck. And then round 12, um, I was kind of was probably the most fun match I played. It was against a Lugia. He was a really cool opponent. But I, I end up winning that one, winning that round. But um, one of my... One of my losses, I ended up almost winning because I used Pikachu V's fly attack. And if you don't yeah. know, flying Pikachu V's fly attack is a his second attack, the you know, not the V Maxes. Uh yeah. for three colorless, it does 120. Flip a coin. If heads, you don't take any damage during your next or you can't be damaged at all or any effects of attack during your next turn. So and if tails, the attack just fails completely. So yep. I end up like getting in a really sticky situation. I was like, okay, fly is just like the best option here. I, I had to bench the flying Pikachu, which you don't want to do against Lugia, but when it's like in your opening hand, sometimes you have to just play it down um, to draw more cards. So I end up flipping heads on it to do like a hundred damage. And then next turn flip heads again, do another oh hundred damage. My. And then I end up actually KOing his Lugia, but it's not quite enough to win the game. And he's able to come away with it, but um he's able to find uh, a boss is what he found to get around the Pikachu. Gotcha. Um, so uh, that was probably my most fun round of the day, but ended up winning against another Lugia. So I feel really good there. 
And then my next one's against a Mew Path, so a mirror match. And I won the coin flip, got to go first, so that felt pretty good. Um, and he never was able to Roxanne Path me, so I was able gotcha. to just come away mm -hmm. with that. Right. Pretty good. Right. Went against another Arc Dura, feeling pretty good. I love it when you get to pair against Arc Dura. And then my last round, I play against Ian Robb, and this is like my winning in to top eight. Uh, technically, I would have a record that lets me get top eight. But I, when looking at my resistance, um, my resistance was not good at all. It was like, it was pretty bad. So I was like, if, unless it's a, I, I feel like I'm probably going to bubble even if I win, but obviously I'm going to try to win anyways. Yeah. I mean, um, at the, at the least you're, you're, you're playing for top 16, right? Sure, and then sure. if, and if, if there are some ties that go on in, you know, some of the top tables, maybe there's some kind of weird shot that you get a top eight, but yeah, yeah you know, so you're playing he, for that high placement. And me and Ian were kind of scrambling to figure out like like what was going to happen, you know, if this how this game played out, like where we were going to be. But eventually we punt, we play, and uh, yeah. So this game, this Lugia matchup is rough because at, for some reason I thought he was playing Palkia like the whole tournament. I don't know why because he played Palkia at, like regionals previous, so I just yeah. assumed he was playing Palkia, and then I realized he's playing Lugia, and I was like, oh okay, this is this is this is better. I mean, I think that's just in general a better. Well. I don't know. It's it's hard to say, but uh, so both games against him, he got the oh he opened double Archaeops discard pile turn one, which doesn't feel That's good. So, so well, it's just so tough because it leaves them yeah. open to not. They only need kind of two pieces on that second turn, right? They only need the Lugia V Star and the Pump Kaboo, as opposed to needing Lugia V Star, Pump Kaboo, and you know X number of Archaeops in the discard pile. So yeah, that's really they just th need, that's really tough. They need they need so much less just to be able to pop off. And once they set up with double Archaeops, you obviously can still win, but it just gets way, way harder to win at that point because they're just a stronger deck in general. Um, but game one, um, I can't, um, I go second. He wins the coin flip. So obviously good for him. I mean, good that he won there because um, obviously going first in this meta is just like really, really strong. Um, but game one, I'm not able to judge him because uh, I'm forced to play the Serena in my hand to like play my hand down to draw cards. So, but he only has a three card hand. So I just like, I'm like, okay, as long as I can get the path, maybe, I, I mean, maybe not judging him is okay. Um, I can just stop him from like playing like the loom. So I, I don't know, it could possibly stop him. So I do that, but he's able to get the research, just pop off, uh, you know, run away with the game at that point um i'm yeah. not able to do enough to win so i'm like okay fine wins game one the game two i go first uh he has again the double archaeops discard benches two lugias starts a one prizer he's cruising um but then I, i'm able to judge path him and the cards he get off the judge path and he reacted to the same way he was like wow i got kind of lucky there he got he has the raw pump kaboo he has the V-Star, and he has a Research in hand. And I think his fourth card was like an Energy. So, yep. like the perfect, like, four or five card hand. Yeah, if you could hand select. Out of it. Exactly. It was honestly insane. And um, I'm like, okay, well, I'm still going to try to win this game, obviously. And I almost actually come back and win that game. Because what you generally want to do as the Mew player against Lugia is if they if you do actually play a game where they set up their Archaeops, yeah. Um, you, you, what I like to do is like target one of their Archaeops instead of trying to go through their Lugia, which inevitably will have a V guard energy attached, making it virtually impossible to one hit KO as the Mew. You need like four damage modifiers. So it, it's really hard to, to one hit KO a Lugia as a V guard. So what you do is you gust up an, uh, an Archaeops, take a prize there, 
Um, I was able to take two prizes on one of his Lugia Vs, at least, since I went first. Sure. So I took two prizes with one of his Lugia V. He hits my Mew, and then I gust KO and Archeops. So now I have three prizes left to take. Um, and then I'm able to uh, two-shot his Lugia. And thankfully, what you can do as a Mew player is you can have, if you get all three of your Vmaxes out, you can kind of, like, pivot between them and force the Lugia player to have gust off, like, your judges and paths after that. Yeah, so at Roxanne's, least force him to right. have the gust. Yeah. So, and then I get to a point where I'm like, okay, if I Roxanne path him and after taking, after two shying this Lugia, he needs to, he needs to find the gust. Um, He needs to find the gust off this, off this three cards to be able to win. And, um, and then I have one prize left to take. And unfortunately he top decks the gust and is able to win with a fully charged up. Cause he, pre he's a good player, obviously in Rob. So he fully charged up a, Charizard because he knew I was inevitably going to path him to turn sure. off the Charizard. Sure. So he's able to manually with his one Archeops just like preemptively just start stacking energies onto it. So yep. all he needs to find is a Gust instead of Gust in a way to remove path. So yeah. he's able to win 2-0 there. So that didn't feel great, but I felt like I gave myself the best chance. to. I feel like I did everything I could to win. And uh, what really, really stung was that um, I was 10, three and one. And then that loss put me at 10, four and one, which dropped me all the way down to 36th place. Yeah. So I got 36th place, which is top 64, which does not feel. I good. know it's not in the money. I'm it's not even in lower the lower point like, bracket. Come on, man. I was like kind of disappointed. I was a little bit tilted about that, but um, yeah, it is, it is what it is. I mean, I was really happy for Andrew. Um, Andrew was able to get top 16. So he was right mm -hmm. there in that bracket where he could have gotten to top eight. He took one bad loss in day two. That uh, he took one bad tie actually oh, what, in day yeah, two tie. as well. Yeah, right. But but and I don't know. He maybe took a loss in day two that I I'm not remembering. But uh, he took a he took a really rough tie um, in that first round. But um, yeah, That's I mean it, it takes, was you know? it, that, that is it's razor thin. So you have to be on top of it every single round. I feel like any missing points you know if you end up having a loss instead of a tie or even a, a tie instead of a win that could just change the whole complexity of your tournament run but you had a really yeah. nice one you know top 64 finish it's obviously not what you want when you go to these tournaments but nah. you know kind of when you're able to reflect on it with over a thousand players you're like okay this could have been worse of things it's not horrible and honestly i'm i'm happy I'm pretty happy with the deck choice. I mean, the flying Pikachu, what I was worried about the most was the flying Pikachu was going to feel like a liability in the deck. And it never, ever felt like a liability to me personally. Um, uh, luckily, I was lucky enough not to start it in any of my games, but um, obviously starting it would be, not be great. But it always felt like it, it served its purpose. You know, it gave me a yeah. fighting. It let me win. Without that, I, I honestly don't think I went against the Reggies that I played against. Earth. Yeah, Reggie's. So Reggie's was a really hard matchup for us, uh, just with Mew in general. There are things you can do. Obviously, playing the Lost City is one yeah. strategy that you have against them. But what they can end up doing is with their uh, sniping from their Regilecki and with enough escape robes and with enough Serenas and bosses, they can usually find their prizes. Um, it's just that chip damage continually mm -hmm. that chip damage over and over that can really hurt you so being able to have something up in front that can't take any damage and then just lost owning all their stuff is is really good and that was a a great matchup for the flying pikachu yeah. additionally lost box the way that azul had built it for ocic was 
I felt a great matchup for the Mew Pikachu deck just because they, you know, have a limited number of escape ropes. I think his list played two. Obviously yeah, two. they do have the sky skill stone and the Drapion, but and if you're never playing a Mew V max down, then they never can get four prizes unless they, you know, escape rope with their first one and Sableye onto the Pikachu and then escape rope boss with the Drapion to take four prizes. But that's, again, you're just like forcing them to have a kind of ridiculous, amount of cards in a specific order yeah they have to play like assuming they're playing those counts of rope and boss and get a little hairy if some people decide to play you know three rope or even the four rope mm-hmm. but it, it it you're really forcing them to use all of those cards in like the best in like the perfect situation where lots of times they're gonna have to maybe just use one to just draw off another use another comfy early in the early sure. game or just use or maybe have to loss someone off a colorist because they can't loss someone like their sky seal stone and their um or whatever so if the, the game just never for lost box is never going to play out perfectly and if you played lost box you know that i mean you're gonna have these really awkward decisions sometimes you can't always save um all those cards along with trying to set up you know you have to loss on something so um you really just i think andrew said it best you're just throwing the kitchen sink at them and then eventually something sticks and it, it is enough to sometimes let, let you win more often than not. Absolutely. And then, yeah. of course, we have kind of the ran- I, I feel like Mew is a really good deck into the random matchups. It Things is, like yeah. like the Vikabolts, the Dark Rise, the Gudras, the Eternatuses. You know, all these kind of random well, fringe decks can be you, you have a much better shot than you know, if you're playing something like Lugia in a lot of cases. Yeah, and, like, you can play, you can take out the flying, you can play, you know, a straightforward Mew and just hope to hit the good matchups, hope to hit the Lugias, the Arcturas, the Gudras, but realistically, you're just, you're going to hit a one or two Regis, you're going to hit one or two Lost Boxes, and you can't really afford, you can't really afford to be taking, like, really unfavorable matchups to those decks, Mm -hmm. and um, I really like the way that Xander Perot uh, built his Mew deck, too, was very unique with the Dreepy to trap um your opponent and um i'm sure that's another really cool way to play mewtwo that um probably opens up a lot of win conditions against those not super great matchups that um for the most part i think that tech is just another way to win against lugia so your lugia matchup is probably even better than it was before um whereas yeah if they have to play down if they have to play down a pump kaboo then you're able to trap yeah because what they do if you if if uh the listeners don't know is like they you you path judge them like like usual with the mu deck and then they're forced to play down pump kaboo a lot of the time to remove the path and then with the dreepy the dreepy has an attack infestation that lets you trap uh makes it so your opponent can't manually retreat and the attack does 10 damage so with double turbo you're doing zero damage so you can stick their pump kaboo in the active for the rest of the game. And then because you have Oracorio, the the Pumpkaboo's attack is doing zero damage because it does 20. Um, And then you never deck out because you play the Pidgeot V, which lets you put it, constantly put it back into the deck. So you're constantly just having like that infinite deck so you never deck out. So that's another cool way to win against Lugia. But um, in my opinion, I think I like the Flying Pikachu better. Well, the Flying Pikachu is maybe just a bit more versatile. The yeah. Dreepy is a little bit better synergistically with the deck because it is also a fusion strike Pokemon. Fusion strike, so yeah. you're not it's losing starting, that extra draw power. Yeah, and starting Pidgeot isn't bad down. either because you can just put it right back into the deck once it gets to the bench. Sure. So like starting Flying Pika, there's obviously nothing you can do unless you play a Collapse Stadium, whereas the Pidgeot, you can just, you know, 
put it right back into the deck if you're able to retreat it to the bench, which I, that, that part of it's pretty cool. It lets your deck probably run a little smoother. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about future builds and plays for upcoming tournaments in just a second, but let's get into it, Jesse. I wanted to ask you about, we have a segment on this podcast called Card of the Day. And when we have guests on the show, we always want to ask them, what's your card of the day? Hmm. Well, my card of the day had to be the first card that I really like built a competitive deck out of. Now, a little backstory before I reveal the card is I, I started really playing competitively in 2017, right after 2017 Worlds. Um, so I've been playing really competitively for the past about four years. Um, but I did play for about like a six month period back when HeartGold Still Silver came out, like when I was back in high school. Um, maybe show my age a little bit there, but uh, back in like 2011 and uh, HeartGold Still Silver was out and black and white had just came out. So it was like HeartGold Still Silver to black and white. And my first like actual like good competitive deck was Reshi Flosion, Reshiram Typhlosion. So I think the card of the day has to be Typhlosion Prime. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, Typhlosion Prime is a very cool card. Typhlosion is one of my favorite Pokemon. I'm a Gen 2-er for sure. I love the Johto region. Gold and Silver were my first Pokemon game. So Ooh. Typhlosion. I had to build a Typhlosion deck. I thought it was so cool. There was a Typhlosion that was competitive. And Typhlosion's ability lets you accelerate fire energies from the discard pile at the cost of putting a damage counter on your Pokemon. So you would accelerate to Reshiram from Black and White Base Set, which did a 120 damage and discard two fires which synergized with typhlosion's ability and then you play plus powers it was it was a it was a cool deck um bada bing bada boom yeah it was damage it, it was a lot of fun i played it at my first major event which was states a states mm -hmm. tournament that was at ohio state um back when they had states um which is basically just like a big like I don't know, big league cup. I don't know what to compare it to nowadays. I don't. Uh, uh, it's an Australian regional. Yes, an Australian. Oh, exactly. sorry oh. that 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 was too far. Sorry to all my Australian <laughs> listeners. It's hilarious that the Ohio State League Cups are bigger than <laughs> Australian. I mean, there were a lot of crazy. reasons. There were a lot there of is, reasons yeah, that is. again, that's like a whole other podcast episode. Yeah. But, but yeah. uh, that's cool. T Typhlosion is sick. Um, I, I went. I remember I went five and three with the deck, so you had to go six and two to make it into like the next stage of the tournament. Um, so I was really close, but I I played my my Reshiflosion as it was called, and so yeah, Typhlosion Prime card of the day. Absolutely, that is a great card. Thank you, Jesse. Speaking of great Absolutely. things, it's time to get into our ad read for the day our presenting sponsor of the tag team pokemon podcast is manscaped now manscaped has just released a beard hedger pro kit we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before but it is one of the finest ways to shave your beard it's a premium beard sculpting machine powerful enough to craft your style in a single swipe jesse you have a little bit of a beard. Um, Seems like yeah. you could. I think I need to pick me up some Manscaped products I, because you know it's not a little scraggly. I'm honestly. not forcing you to do anything, but I will say it has like a nice little zoomy wheel, allows you to zoomy sculpt wheel. and shape cool. your beard in 20 different lengths. So you know how sometimes electric cool. razors you got to like take off the the top guard oh, and yeah, like replace sure. it and stuff. Well, this one you can just spin the wheel to the length that you desire. So yeah, very cool technology. Razor. 
I have the most basic razor ever. It's not a Manscaped razor, so I, I, I probably need to upgrade, honestly. Well, the toughest thing about having a disposable razor uh, is yours disposable. And you just use disposable uh, Mine's electronic, but it's like okay. very, like it doesn't have any, like it's just very like, you know, cheap. It's like, it was yeah. like 10 bucks or it, something. It's and, a little janky. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you might as well spend, spend the little extra, go get yourself some Manscaped products. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit, it's fine. Comes with that shaver, but it also comes with a bunch of accoutrements and extras that are really nice. You know, a bunch of little oils and uh, combs and things like this. I think you will feel very pampered. So you can also get... With code tag team at checkout, you can get 20% off plus free shipping. So if you're the kind of guy and you're like me and you're like, well, how much is this going to cost? And I don't want to pay all the extra fees. Not only will you get free shipping, but you will get a 20% discount. And what's even better, you can be just like AQED here on the Twitch channel who supported us here on Twitch with the gifted sub. You can be just like them and support us by purchasing through Manscaped. So go to manscaped.com, use code tag team at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com code tag team at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. Thanks Manscaped. Now let's talk a little bit about moving forward. We have a few tournaments coming up, Vancouver and Natal, Brazil. I'm told mm -hmm. some people Pretty are saying sure. this. Yes. Uh, and then we also have Charlotte in a couple weeks and Fort Wayne. Now you're going to be attending Charlotte and Fort Wayne. Yes, sir. As well as a few regionals kind of further down the road. But considering these are all in the current standard format, let's give the listeners a little bit of an idea of what to expect for these upcoming tournaments. So Vancouver's coming up. Natal's coming up. What are you thinking about playing uh, were you to go to these and what are you testing for Charlotte and Fort Wayne? Um, so me personally, I'm, you know, I, I played a little more of the flying Pikachu Mew deck or just different versions of the Mew deck. Uh, just a straightforward Mew deck I'm trying to see if the cross switches are worth it. I'm a big Mew fan. So I'm going to always be playing a little bit of that on the PTCGO ladder while we still have it. Um, but i yes, rest in peace. But, um, I, I'm just trying to refine the list that we played at Knoxville, trying to refine it, seeing if, you know, you need the Serena in there, you need like other things that may just make the deck a little smoother. You know um, what I tried? What? I'll tell you what I tried. I have been taking, I just like took out everything flying Pikachu and I just put in four phones. Four phones? Don't tell Andrew. He, don't, he doesn't like that card. I know. He'll be <laughs> pissed. How is the phones doing for you? Good. I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, it's certainly I mean, like really smooth. It's buttery. You know what you should do is just take those phones out and put in some trekking shoes, and then you uh, really be gaming. Yes, yeah, yes. probably true. Probably true. Um, but yeah, so I played a little Mew, but I, I I am a player that tries to get my I try to get my hands dirty with every archetype. I don't like to stifle myself in just like one trick pony, you know, one deck, um, which I have done in the past with things like like Pikaram. I was a big Pikaram stand back then. Um, but I'm trying to, I trying lost box. I tried that list that, uh, one Perth though, the list that focused on uh, a lot of people are calling it the lost dogs deck. It mm. uses amazing Raikou and Zamazenta as like the main attackers. And, uh, it's a very like pretty clean list. There's a couple things I changed. Like it didn't play a suing heavy ball. I threw a suing heavy ball in there. 
um, cut one of the escape ropes for that. But so I've been trying a lot of different Lost Box lists, and Lost Box as a deck is kind of a deck that doesn't really feel like it has like an identity almost. Like it, there's so many different versions of the deck, it's hard to like it's hard to pick one and like stick to that list. You know, you play. Uh, there's so many different ones to choose from. Uh, statistically, the version of the Lost Box that's done the best at regionals is Rayquaza. I mean, Nicholas Moffat has got like multiple top fours with that amazing Rayquaza Lost Box deck with uh, amazing Raikou. So I've been trying lots of different Lost Box lists. Uh, mostly the one I've liked the most is the list that Azul won Australia with. Um, that list is very smooth, consistent, uh, straightforward. Um, but man, what else have I been trying? Uh, I tried that Zacian V-Star. I've been trying decks with Zacian V-Star in it. I think that's a card that's kind of slept on right now. Uh, it's pretty strong. I don't know if you've tried the Zacian V-Star at all. I just pulled it for my Crown Zenith Master Set the other day, but I have not tried it. I saw it did pretty well at a tournament recently. Can yeah, you talk a little bit Perth, about that? Yeah, Perth, I believe, I believe it was at Perth. Uh, it got, um, I think it was the list that I'm pretty confident is the list that got second because um, it was a Lost Box Mirror. And this Lost Box list was a pretty straightforward Lost Box list, but it played a 1 1 Zacian V Star. So the Zacian V is just a good attacker in general. Um, it's a, you know, it's a basic that can draw you cards, which honestly in the Lost Box deck, just ending your turn by drawing three cards is just better than attacking with sometimes better than even attacking with Cramer. Just like adding to your hand like that is really strong. It's right. a 230 damage attacker. And then um, the V-Star is pretty good because it gives you a strong V-Star power. So for four energy, two metal and two colorless, it does 310 damage and then you do 30 damage to yourself. So it's hmm. just a 310 damage nuke, which you can accelerate with uh, Mirage Gates. And then its first attack is actually pretty good against Gudra, which um, historically is a really hard deck for a Lost Box, a normal Lost Box deck that isn't Gudra to beat. Uh, because you just don't have a way to like get through the Gudra. It's just like so tanky, it can heal itself. Well, the Zacian's attack, V-Star attack, does 200 damage and it ignores all effects of attack. So it goes, it's a 200 damage no matter what. So you're always two-shotting the Gudra. So it's just a good solid attacker in that matchup. It's good against Ar Arceus Duraludon um, because it's just, you know, you're two-shotting the Arc Duraludon and they're not one-shotting you. Yeah. So that's something I've been trying is the Zacian V-Star. It's actually, a, it, it is its own deck. It got top 32 as like its own deck, but I've been liking it as like this 1-1 tech in, in the Lost Box, in the Lost Box list. That's something Very I've interesting. been testing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and then if you play with the Raikou and the Zamazenta, I mean, the deck name just really should be Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> just like how many dogs can we put into Lost Box deck? He like, got that dog got in the him. I mean, there are a lot of dogs. There's a Raikou. Well, I guess Raikou's like a cat. In this list, there's a Raikou. There's the one Zation. There's the Zamazenta. So, I mean, like, take your pick. I mean, it's it's a pretty crazy list. Um, but besides that, uh, I've been I've been playing a lot of Lugia. There's a top 16 sure. list from um, Australia that it was like a, almost like a Lugia control list that plays like three copies of the Eveltal that discards energy. So I've been trying a list like that, like a path-focused list with like a thick Lugia line with the Lugia or with the Eveltal that discards energies, which is can be good in the mirror sometimes. Hmm. Um, that list has been kind of interesting. I, honestly, I've been trying everything. Um, yeah. Just seeing what sticks, trying weird counts and things. Um, yeah. 
do you feel like do you feel like things are starting to stick a little bit because sometimes what i what happens to me is like i'll play a bunch of different things and i won't give them enough time and then i'll end up defaulting back to something that you know i've played previously so right now that would either be like a mew or a lugia like i feel very confident with those decks and even if i played Lost Box or Gudra or Reggie's and they did okay, but they didn't like win 40 games in a row. Sure. Then I'm like, okay, I'll just default back to something. I know. Yeah, I, I definitely can feel that. I think it's really easy. You know, not all of us have like unlimited time to play Pokemon. So, uh, you know, after a long day of work, you log on, you have like, you want to try a new deck and you, you know, you have two games where you just draw not great. And then you kind of just like assume like, oh, this deck's like not, not it. And then you switch back to, you know, a deck that's been working for you. I think I personally have been trying to give decks at least 10 games, like 10 actual games where like I actually am playing and not just dead drawing or my opponent's just instantly scooping. So uh, to really determine whether like this tech in a deck or this list is bad or something I don't like. So I think that's really easy to do, though. Like you said, play like two games and then switch back to something like more comfortable or something like that. Yeah. Um, now, you've, you've talked a little bit about the Lost Box deck, you know, maybe, you know, thinking about Lugia and things like that. Are there any fringe decks that you're particularly keen on? I know heading into, um, you know, heading into Knoxville, I was really thinking about Vigavolt and we had tried some of that. Yeah. And we were we were excited about it because on paper it seemed like it had some really, really solid matchups, but ultimately went with Mew in the end. So are there any of the more fringe decks that you are trying to give more of a shot heading into your upcoming regional honestly i'm a player that um i don't necessarily pride myself on like coming up with like really interesting decks i kind of just like take what's done well and try to like perfect it or make it better or just like you know be able to play the deck you know at at the best possible you know really well but i'm not really big on like the fringe decks i'd say like the most fringiest decks i've been trying there's like a lost zone mewtwo v union deck i was trying to make work uh there was like a you know this lost box list with the zation in it i tried like the the lugia i've been trying lots of really in lugia and honestly like the when it comes down to it I, I, my lugia lists like start off crazy with like all these weird texts or counts of cards and then i ends up just devolving back to like the way Lugia is built like primarily and that's mm-hmm. just honestly feels like the best way to play it yeah. it's it really feels like the meta is like solved at this point it doesn't like there might be like like i think you can take a deck like a mew for example put in like one or two like crazy cards like dreepy and pidgeot and yeah. that's cool and all but i don't think you're really gonna call <laughs> come up which or and flying pikachu and yeah and that's, right and that right. could be good but i don't think there's really I don't see like a rogue deck really coming out. Like I tried that Eternatus yeah. Weezing deck and totally. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's it, you know, it just, I don't know. It I mean, it did like get second in Knoxville. Yeah. So. I mean, ugh, clearly it must, there must be something there, but I don't know, man. The deck just feels like a potato to me, but I don't know. I, clearly it's, it must be a pretty good deck if it got second. Right. But I personally haven't been trying anything that crazy. i um, just got a lot of, a lot of the meta decks trying to, Mm-hmm. keep myself up to date with you know the list that i've been winning online and the list mm-hmm. that i've been winning you know at regionals across the across the country or across the world i should say yeah really absolutely yeah. absolutely um, how about you I, you've been trying anything oof. well i was pretty excited about the the lugia path that we had um tried a little bit 
Um, it, you know, it seemed to me like I had played a version of it that did not play any Eveltal because there's that uh, Celebrations the Eveltal, Eveltal in there. No, no, no. The Celebrations Just, Eveltal. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Right. So that you can bump off the uh, in the mirror, the other Lugia's special energies. But yeah, like the V-Guard and stuff. Right. Exactly. Ultimately, I was like, ah, you know what? screw those cards. Let's just make it as kind of basic as possible with the basic idea being that you're just going to attack with as many Lugias as you can, maybe a couple Charon's care and then a heavier path line than that list played. And it actually did surprisingly well, but what I was really lacking was that mix of attackers and specifically single prize attackers, because we talk about this a lot on the cast, but Lugia is a really great single prize deck and so to scrape that all away, to remove the Amazing Rare Raikou, Eveltal, the Charizard, you lose a depth to that deck. You do. That it's, it's not impossible to make up because one of the cool things about the Lugia Path deck is that because you're not playing all these alternate attackers, it affords you more space to play those good colorless energy that you kind of wish you could play more of in Lugia. So for instance, I think it's just a more consistent list in general, Yeah, like playing, like you generally play like a heavier Lugia line, like a four, three, or I was even playing like the four, four from the list that got top 16 in Australia. And you're just generally a more consistent deck. You play under path better because you have just more double turbo energies. You will just naturally like find the V star in your hand. But, um, yeah, continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. So anyway, uh, yeah, the V guards are really awesome, but I feel yeah, like you having can't, the two v you can't afford, nice. you can't really afford to do that in the regular Lugia build because you're trying no. to set up all these colored attackers. Well, it's like, and I think for me, like when I was testing like a Lug- the Lugia path of the thick Lugia, um, a lot, the only matchup that I felt like suffered was the Lugia mirror match because mm-hmm. not having, not having those really strong single prize attackers definitely hurts in the Lugia mirror. So lots of times what I'm trying to do with this particular list is it plays two Roxanne is what you do is you're using the Eveltal to discard energies. They knock out an Eveltal, then they knock out a two prizer and then you Roxanne, then you Roxanne them and like make a comeback there. Um, and with two Roxanne in the list, you'll sometimes just naturally find it, but you definitely are playing like, it feels like in the Lugia mirror with this path list. So you're playing like comeback, like they're, they're being the aggressor. And you're just kind of like, you know, you just don't have as many options. Like Lugia is right. like your attacker. Like that's the right. attacker in the deck. Right. Which Absolutely. I think may, makes it suffer. And you, you can, I can see why the Lugia lists that are winning now, I like play the cards that they play because they're just like the amazing. I mean, the, they're amazing rares for a reason. They're honestly pretty amazing. They so true, Jesse. So true. <laughs> Speaking of being amazing, you're pretty amazing, Jesse. Thank you so much for coming on oh, the shucks. cast today. Uh, any shout outs that you want to make before we finish? Uh, shout out to you for being uh, being a pretty cool dude, having me on the, the podcast. Uh, shout out to uh, if you want to follow my Twitter, it's uh, at Jesse Parker. It's just my name without the A in the Parker. So take out the A at jesse parker um so if you want to follow me there i post cool deck lists a lot of times and uh you know my tournament runs so if you want to keep up with me feel free to do that awesome sounds good thank you once again jesse for joining us here on the cast if you want to get more plugged in to tag team you can find us on twitter at tag team pokemon you can find my normal co-host 
Riley Hulbert over at Smiles with Riles and myself at Real John Walter on Twitter. I also stream a few times a week over at twitch.tv slash flexdaddyrighteous. And you can come watch the podcast live most every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time over at twitch.tv slash munner. You can support the podcast by checking out Manscaped. You can also support the podcast by jumping over to flexdaddy.card slash shop. Jesse, I see you have your tag team shirt on yes, right I now. Yes, I do. Find oh, yes, yourself some trip. tag team merch. Get My that over. Oh, me too. Me too. Get that over at flexdaddy.card slash shop. So thank you guys all so much for listening and we will catch you on the next one. Peace.